Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Redeemed, redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Glory to God. Woo, that means something to me. I know what it was like to be bound. And I know what it's like to be free. Free is so much better. Glory to God. Redeemed is so much better than to be sold out to the devil, sold out to sin, sold under bondage. But glory to God, he came and set me free. Amen. Glory to God. Father, we thank you today for your goodness and your blessing and your mercy in our lives. Fathers, we prepare to look into the word of God today. We just thank you for the privilege it is to be called together like this. Father, you've called us together. Lord Jesus, you've called us together. Like Brother Steve said, for a purpose, a divine purpose, a divine encounter. And so we're assembling in your presence. You wouldn't call us here and not show up yourself. We thank you, Father, that you're here. Lord Jesus, you're here. The Holy Spirit is here. He lives on the inside of us. He also inhabits us collectively as a church. We're grateful, Father, for your presence today. We're grateful for the presence of the Spirit of God. And we magnify our Lord and Savior. Glory to God. Father, while we're praying, Lord, we remember the scriptures that says, that we should always make prayers, supplications, intercessions, and giving of thanks for all men, for all who are in authority. So we pray, Father, for our president and all of those in Washington, D.C., the three branches of government. Father, that we'd have good government. Father, that they would be enabled supernaturally to do what is right. And we thank you for that, Father. We thank you, Lord, for your hand on our government guiding every one of them. We thank you, Father, for our state and local governments. We pray for our leaders today. Father, that you would give them all of the wisdom and direction they need. Glory to God to benefit the church. Father, to cooperate with the church, to cooperate with the church in the spreading of the gospel. Not that they spread the gospel themselves, but they can stay out of our way. And we thank you for that, Father. Glory to God for good government. Father, we thank you, Lord, for our military and our law enforcement. We pray for them, Father, that you would protect them, protect their lives, watch over them, keep them, give them wisdom and grace in every crisis and every situation, Lord, that they'd know what to do. We thank you for that, Father, in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to do this differently today for a reason. I'll, I'll explain it to you in a minute. Go over with me to Acts chapter 26. Acts chapter 26. Of course, you know, this is the chapter where we take the vision for our church. And uh, this was the vision that, when I say the vision, Paul was talking about an actual vision where he saw Jesus. But then in the sense of the vision for his life, the calling, the mandate that was on his life, Uh, He received it during this time of visitation when the Lord spoke to him. So it wasn't just the seeing of 
of Jesus is what Jesus said to him, what he imparted to him, became the vision and the calling for the Apostle Paul's life. Many years ago, I was sitting on a, it was a hot August day, and, and I was just meditating, or July day, I think, and I was meditating on the scripture, and it, it was as if Jesus just walked into my room. Now, I didn't see him, but I definitely heard him. And uh, he said, rise and stand on your feet. And I was sitting and it was so startling that I literally jumped to my feet and, uh, you know, just almost startled. And he, and he spoke this passage of scripture back to me that I had been reading. He said, I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. Now, when he spoke this to me just on the inside, just by revelation, I instantly knew that this was not only the call on my life, this was the vision for our church. I just knew it. You, you couldn't take a stick and beat it out of me and make me deny it. I knew it. And uh, he said, I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now see, send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the authority of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Notice Paul said, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. So you can see there it was more, he's talking about more than just seeing Jesus. He was talking about being obedient to what Jesus said to him. The vision really was what Jesus said. And he imparted that into his life. And here, you know, years later, he's, he's testifying before King Agrippa. And he says, I've done exactly what I've been told to do. I've not been disobedient. And for all of these years, we've not been disobedient to the heavenly vision either. I pointed out on Thursday whenever um, I spoke to you in, on, uh, on YouTube, uh, notice he said in verse 27, I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. I pointed out that the word Jewish there is not in the original. In the original Greek, it just says, I will deliver you from the people. But then he says, and from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. So he's contrasting some people and the Gentiles. Well, the only other people to contrast would be the Jews. So the translators, I think, definitely got it right when they inserted the word, word Jewish people there because that's really uh, what he's referring to. He said, I will deliver you from the Jewish people as, as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. I pointed out on Thursday, and this bears repeating, that uh, in, in Paul's day and in Jesus' day, the Jewish people represented the status quo religiously. In, uh, in, in terms of uh, the covenant that they were uh, aware of, the truth that they had received, the, the uh, divine ordinances, the law, and all of the uh, observations and the prophets and all of the things that have been spoken, that's, that's what they had. Now, in Jesus' time and in Paul's time, the Jewish people had strayed away from the original. They, they still had uh, the law, but they were very legalistic about it. 
And Jesus said, you know, you observe the very fine little details of the law, but then you overlook the big things like love and grace and mercy and and justice and all of those things. So they were not really operating in the spirit of the Old Testament, but they were keeping the letter of the law. And, uh, but nonetheless, that represented the, the old way. And it represented revelation past. And it wasn't that it, it didn't apply to them, but it was about to change. God was about to deal with men in an entirely new way. In the book of Hebrews, verse, chapter 1, verse 1, God says at different times and in various ways in times past, God spoke to the people through the prophets, but now he's speaking to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. That was a big change. And so the Jewish people represented the status quo. And I've noticed this about people who, who uh, are in the status quo and, and are, and are uh, uh, obedient and follow the status quo. They're very resistant to change. They're very resistant to new light, to new understanding. And so God had to, had to then send Paul to the Gentiles because the Gentiles were, they had never heard any of this. They were uncluttered religious. Now, they had uh, paganism, you know, to deal with in their background, but, uh, you know, ungodliness and all of those things. But as far as uh, knowing anything about God, they really didn't know anything. And when the gospel came, Paul would go first. If you notice, if you follow the book of Acts, he would go into an area and first he would go into the synagogues. And then after the Jews would reject and, and, and um, you know, there were, there were always some Jews who received the truth. But by and large, the synagogues and the people there rejected him. And he said, well, since you judge yourself unworthy of eternal life, I'll turn to the Gentiles. And so his greatest uh, results in ministry was among the Gentiles because they were uncluttered religiously and they were open. Well, we have a parallel like that today. And even in the church. Now, the church, they're, they're not Jews and, and we're not Gentiles. You do realize, do realize you're not a Gentile, right? <laughs> Paul said, I give no offense neither to the Jew nor to the Gentile nor to the church of God. There are three classes of people, the Jew, the Gentile, and the church. Now, you might have been a Jew or you might have been a Gentile, but when you got born again, you were brought... In Ephesians, it said he took of the two and made one new man. And that new man is the church, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, the new creation church. So we're neither Jew nor Gentile. We're the people of God. We're the the church, glory to God. But among the church, there is a parallel, was what I was trying to say on Thursday. There's a parallel uh, in the way the traditionalists responded then and the way traditionalists respond today. And when I say traditionists, I will say people that have been uh, the traditions, the denominations that have passed down over the centuries and, and in particularly in the last four or 500 years, there's a lot of tradition and a lot of things that are not um, uh, in harmony with the word of God, a lot of, uh, of practices that were passed down that, that were introduced along the way and, uh, uh, and, and a lot of disbelief and unbelief of things that are clearly in the Bible. Most of the church world, they, they have a form of godliness, and I'm not saying they're not godly, but in their, in their observance of scripture, they have a form, but they deny the power of God in so many ways. You know, you go in most churches today, and 
you know, you, if you, if you call for people to be ministered to and lay hands on the sick, half the church will get mad. There'll be, there'll be a big meeting that afternoon. <coughs> God forbid you cast out devils. Oh my Lord. And you don't, you don't have to speak in tongues. If somebody even knows you speak in tongues, if they even hear that you speak in tongues, they will mock you. You know, they mocked on the day of Pentecost. And, they, and, and here they were, the, the power of God fell and, and believers were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with other tongues. And it says some mocking. It said, well, they're, they're full of new wine. They're drunk with new wine. So, you know, you will always have mockings. But we still have to push through that and, and be faithful to the things that God has made us ministers of. He has made us, this church, ministers and witnesses of the things which we have seen. And the, the promise is that he will reveal even more to us. Praise God. Well, if we're going to be ministers and witnesses of the things we've seen, we need to practice the things we've seen. We not, we, that's what happens to most denominations, historically. If you go back and look at church history, all of the major denominations came out of revival. There was the, there was the status quo, and, and, and the status quo was away from the things of God to some degree, doesn't mean that people weren't saved, didn't love God, but they weren't walking in the light of, of the full light of the word of God. And God would bring a revelation through someone and they would begin to, to begin to preach deeper truths. Now, when I say deeper truths or additional truths, I'm not talking about something that's not in the Bible. Right. Not, and, and particularly the New Testament. The New Testament is the rule for all life, uh, Christian life and doctrine. We look at the Old Testament for types and shadows and God was the same God then and there's a lot of things that we can look at but we get our, our, uh, our covenant is the new covenant and we live by the new covenant. And when I say, when I'm talking about new light and further revelation, I'm not talking about some new doctrine that, that you have to write in the back of your Bible because it's not here. I'm talking about further light on what is here and has been here all along that maybe people haven't seen or haven't walked in or their traditions have disregarded. Right. Amen? Right. And, and so uh, in the church world, God would bring revelation and a new movement would come up and eventually those people would be ostracized and, and separated, not necessarily because they wanted to, but because of persecution, they would separate themselves from sometimes from their denominations and they'd start a new movement that would turn into a denomination and it would have its brand. And that's happened down through the, through the uh, years, the centuries of the church and we have all these denominations, they all represent a revival, but then people got stuck with their revelation and they failed to move forward in truth. They got stuck on that one thing and they built their institutions about around it. They erected monuments to it and, and, and created uh, hymns and all kinds of things around that revelation and that truth and, and they didn't go any further. And so eventually God has to do it all over again. He sends another revival, another move. Well, you know, in the last days, uh, the Bible says in the last days that God would pour his spirit out on all flesh. 
And if you look at Joel's prophecy, and if you look even the way it's recorded in the book of Acts, Joel chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, it it's, has to do with the, with the day of the Lord. In other words, the, right before the tribulation period, there would be this outpouring of the Spirit. Well, the, in one sense, the entire church age is, is, is called the last days. The whole church age is the, is, is comprises in a general sense, the last days, but then there are the last of the last days, the last few days of the last days. We believe we're living in those days. And at that time, just like at the beginning of the last days, at, at the end of the last days, there is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You know, in, in the turn of the 20th century, between the 19th and 20th century, there, 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 there were not uh, widespread large groups of people who knew anything about the baptism of the Holy Spirit or speaking in tongues or gifts of the Spirit, divine healing. Now, thank God that, you know, Brother Tony Cook, when he was here, he pointed out that all through church history, there's never been a time when there wasn't a remnant somewhere that believed and actually had the power of God operating. But I'm talking about in a widespread sense where you have, you know, big groups of people or a major movement, uh, the power of God had waned. In, in, in the last days, God poured out his spirit, the great Pentecostal revival. And there have been refreshings of that all along. And we thank God for that. But we can expect before the return of the Lord that his spirit will be poured out like never before. We're living in that time. Well, we are a spirit-filled church. Now, I will be honest with you. And I really said all that to get us to this point. I will be honest with you. It has been difficult the last two months. It's been difficult to, to, to really have the freedom and the spontaneity in the spirit because of the weirdness of everything. You know, like, like uh, Pastor Angela said this morning, you know, it was, what did, what did you say, mixed up? Or you said, I was mixed up. And she said, we've been mixed up. Well, it's been, it's been different. It's been strange. Not only that, we're out in front of everybody on the front lawn. And, you know, wait a minute before you say, well, we're not ashamed of anything. We're not ashamed of anything. But even the apostle Paul talked about uh, 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 tempering some of the things of the spirit in light of the unlearned and the unchurched, the unbelievers. Did he not? There is wisdom in that. And so uh, it was, it was, I know people loved being together out there, but we suffered somewhat in the, in the things of the spirit. We did. We had the sense of God's presence, but it wasn't like, like, like we needed to be. And coming in here, having two different services because of the time restraints, that's why I started early, but I'm not gonna go very long. Because of the time restraints, you know, we have to be out of here, have the place cleaned up and sparkled and sanitized and everything, you know. Uh, that, that puts pressure on you. Well, but that's, that's a reality. But we, we cannot suspend our dependence upon the Holy Spirit. We still have to have the move of the Spirit of God. Amen. Amen. You've heard people say, you know, the coronavirus doesn't... doesn't uh, 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 cancel the Constitution. 
Isn't that right? I mean, you're, you're, there, there are some things going on, but we still have constitutional rights that we've got to defend and protect. Well, the coronavirus and, the, and the, all of these things are going on and the, and the, and the uh, 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 regulations and all that still doesn't suspend the, the mandate of the church. We are ministers and witnesses of the things which we have seen, glory to God, and we're gonna continue to press into those things. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Jesus said the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship God in the spirit. Amen. In spirit and in truth. He said God is seeking such people to worship him. God is a spirit. And they who worship him must must worship him in spirit and in truth. Oh, glory to God. We need the freshness of the spirit of God, the move of the spirit. I mean the fullness of his presence. When we, when we assemble together, it, it, this, we, we expect the place, the atmosphere to crackle with the power of God. Amen. Glory to God. So I want the worship team to come back up. I told them we would bring them back up. Let, let's, just, let's just worship the Lord this morning in the, in the good old ways we, we have for all of these 40 years. Amen. Let's, let's put everything in the, that's going on out there behind us and in the past. And let's, let's make sure that we give the Holy Spirit the opportunity to be himself this morning. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.